Max Verstappen is a double world champion, but it was an absolute disastrous way to find out. A very confusing race, and we were just fed absolute nonsense from the commentary team. I'd like to be surprised, but I'm absolutely not. G'day there. Welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive. In this F1 podcast, we're going to review the Japanese Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And our fearless producer, Ezekiel Fenn. Hello, James. Uh, our knowledgeable uh, Aston Martin How are friend. You? Yes, good, thanks, and you. Uh, look, you did very well. Ferrari uh, Enzo was the greatest comment that got deleted out of our last podcast. <laughs> Ferrari Enzo was a very good shout. Uh, look, many people commented that it wasn't too bad. <laughs> that was the feedback from the last episode. I have heard that many times. Uh, <laughs> Not too bad. Shout out to your wife. Uh, but from honestly, from from what happened and, and the uh, the penalties that Freya has handed Tommy and myself, we we fully take that. No problems whatsoever. But uh, there was a lot of discussion about how you managed to hold the podcast. It wasn't. It was you. <laughs> Congratulations on doing that. I am sitting here, Jim, if you weren't aware. <laughs> Where? <laughs> uh, but honestly, a massive thank you to you for watching, listening, wherever you, you are in the world. It is great to have your company. Uh, before we get into what is going on in the world of Formula One, all yep. of that nonsense, Campy, why don't you say a massive thank you to our patrons before we get into it well what do i say absolutely love the fact that you guys are not only listening to us and enjoying what we put out um the fact that you're willing to financially put some cash up to uh to support us as well because it does cost money not that we're completely fussed about it but it says a lot uh invested communities and when you put some cash in it blows us away and we are super thankful for it but um yeah, I don't really know what else to say other than thank you. It's probably the only word that is used to describe. We do this for fun and it's it's great and we enjoy it and we, we're stoked that you enjoy it too and the fact that you'd give us money, well, that's just mind-blowing to me. So it's excellent. So thank you for your uh, continued support and your investment in our product. I've just noticed also that you've put these over the microphones. I have. Thank you. <laughs> hopefully, You're welcome. Hopefully the breathing is not so um, aggressive. Close, you know, it's one of those campy things. You just cut me off. I know, but I, I just couldn't. I couldn't help myself. Look, I agree with you, patrons. All of you are amazing. Yeah. We're going to have a bit of a shout out to you a little bit later on, but uh, I wanted Campy to say that before we get into talking about the real thing of this episode. How good was Bathurst? Giz, Gizzy took it. That's exactly where I was going. <laughs> SVG oh. on the mountain, King. If you've got time, you're not a big V8 fan. Most people in Australia, for international listeners. You have to go and check out the Bathurst 1000 of 2022. It is our iconic. It is the most iconic track in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and our, our what, what, what category of racing is it? It's, what's it classed as? Touring car racing. It is unbelievable. And there was a pass that Shane Van Gisbergen did uh, down, the, down the straight this weekend where he bumped Brody Kostecki in front of him, which managed him to get him past of Chaz Mostert. And Chaz Mostert had a run on Kostecki, and it was unbelievable. That is why we love racing, because he's got uh, 300 kilometres an hour to be ballsy enough to tap someone up the road oh. to make a pass. It was special. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, just a 
cracking race. I love how excited you are about it. Uh, I, could, I was sick of the safety cars that first 80 laps or so. Jeez, at least they were but, consistent between Japan and Bathurst, yeah. Suzuka to Bathurst, safety cars all day. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things I want to say, uh, Tommy T not here, he couldn't make it unfortunately, so um, more penalty points coming his way, regardless of the situation oh, yeah. as to why he's not here. Genuine reasons. There is a genuine reason he's still getting penalty points. He's on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I told him not to have that for lunch. Uh, but uh, Bathurst was phenomenal to watch. For yeah. many reasons, Campy, look, the racing was great. Or there was drama quite literally from turn one, yep. lap one. Uh, we had cars spinning around and, and people throwing on the brakes and, and tearing up tyres just to avoid accidents. Um, all the way through to the commentary team being uh, next level. Uh, uh, although I would say this, though. F1 should watch that and say... How do we mimic this kind of commentary? Well, yes, Sky F1 needs to specifically. Channel 4 are fine. Uh, Sky F1 needs to do that. But uh, certainly my favourite thing, I think, out of all of the feedback was Crofty and Hamilton is a bit of a thing that we can all agree. But Mark Scaife and SVG is a next level of just like, oh, my God, I love this man. How can I be with him even though I'm in the commentary box? Because he absolutely loves SVG. Uh, But it's it's interesting because Crompo is just the best. Yeah, uh, And I think, honestly, him and Alex Jakes, who's the Channel 4 Formula 1 commentator, put them in the same box together. Oh. Magic. Honestly, magic. Oh. Uh, it would sound absolutely phenomenal. But the way that – although I would say – Even the technical stuff we get. I was going to say, we'll say, but including chalk, chalk drawings. Unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. As, as low-tech it is. But, you know, that pass that we just talked about. Um, what's the guy's name? Anyway. 20 minutes after that pass, they had a full-scale, like, picture of the aerodynamics and what happens when you're block passing and, and you know, the the, the counter-air balance that you get when you're running alongside someone and what that actually does to the car you're trying to pass. You never see anything like that in F1. That's like, no, it's way too technical for people to understand, so we're just not even going to say that or show something like that. Uh, look, cracking product. Uh, last race for Holden too. I was about to say your your manufacturer's last yeah. time on the mountain. How does that feel? Uh, it's it's sorrowful, <laughs> quite frankly. Hey, we need to shout out Tander as well. He was well. It's in my notes here. So he was SVG. instrumental. With Garth Tander, Garth, that's his fifth Bathurst victory. Tander's second stint was something of like to get that, build that 13, 14 second Mate. lap for a guy that, you know, is driving part time in the series. Uh, unbelievable. Now, a shout out to Tilly Willie, who uh, absolutely loves supercars uh, and uh, did not want SVG to get on the podium. He wanted uh, Chazzy to get up there. The problem is. We didn't like want Chase. a we didn't want a happy uh, Zach Brown. So yeah. by all accounts, just Zach Brown. absolute refusal of trying to to stop him looking joyful. I'm surprised we even let him in the country. Well, I would have been interesting at the airport. Uh, I, re- I guess he would have flown in out of Sydney um, because I guess he'd be going to Austin now for for the US Grand Prix. But any kind of like nice tattoo, mate. Shame you're not going to get another one. Kind of thing is that you know. Uh, it's very brave, uh, but he, he enjoyed his camping chair. He sort of sat like this with his camping chair for the most of the oh, thing. Until he I did he embraced cross. the culture of the weekend, though, didn't he? Looked like a fancy camping chair, though, with like proper like cup holders. And... No, most campers these days aren't on those old canvas things anymore. They are <laughs> Rolls-Royce chairs. Now, the, my favourite shot of the Bathurst weekend, which will mean absolutely nothing to you, <laughs> 
was Michael Massey standing in back of shot at race control. Now, of Excellent. course, in his uh, in his element, in his new role with V8 Supercars, uh, I missed Michael Massey this weekend at Formula One. I think plenty of people did. He got uh, booted from F1 for less than what happened. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the incident with Pierre Gasly and the tractor and safety in just a moment. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The FIA, I don't even know who the, the race director was, one of the two. I mean, they feel like they've got 14 race directors oh, on the cycle at the moment. But anyway, but. Seriously, it, the, the lack of consistency this year from a race direction point of view, say what you want. Hamilton was robbed, Max shouldn't have, you know, whatever. As I said in a previous episode, none of us were the, safe, the, uh, was the race director. He made a decision. He made the decision on the spot. It's better than indecision. And it, it just was, it is what it was, right? Yeah. So, but now that he's at least found a, a job within motorsport still, oh, yeah. doing something is very good. And I'm glad that it's back here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Japanese Grand Prix. That's, that's supercars. To, to, at one point, can I just say, I thought we would have to just do a supercars review because there wasn't a lot going on for the Japanese Grand Prix. There was two laps and they kept delaying and kept delaying and the they clock were, was counting down. They were all watching Bathurst. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's finished. Let's get the yeah. race started. The race director's like, oh, cool. All right, we can start that now. About bloody time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Japanese Grand Prix, rain delays. Look, you and Tommy T said it uh, the other day. This track, even in the rain, Campy, this track is the absolute best by far. Sebastian Vettel absolutely loves it too. At least they started the race when they should have this week. Mm. Uh, unlike the Singapore debacle, that was a shambles. I still think they we could have got a full race in, and that was my frustration. Um, yes, it was raining. Yes, there were some puddles across the track. But as we said, everyone wanted to start on those inters. No one wants to start on full wets. If we had have started on full wets in those conditions, you wouldn't have had the Carlos Sainz issue. I don't think it was aquaplaning that sent Sainz off anyway. I think he was probably too throttle happy when he hit it, and – in that moment, that's what spun him out because every other car got through it all right. So, interesting for me. They took – and the delay went for way too long. They should have started half an hour, an hour before so we could get a full race distance in because uh, that would have been a cracking race if they had started on the wets at the right time and then they could give the teams the decisions to go to Inters or not because the Inters wore out really quickly and it would have ended up being a four or five pit stop kind of race. Strategy would have come into play. Our boy Danny Rick would have got the win. No, he wouldn't have because McLaren would have shit the bet on strategy anyway. <laughs> he would have got but, second. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a cracking track, even in the wear. It's amazing to watch. Uh, how good was that Hamilton Ocon battle? Oh, that was that oh. is the best five. That is why we watch motorsport. That's why we love this sport. That is those five laps. Clearly, Lewis was faster, and he the way he changed lines, the way that he changed his exit patterns to avoid, you know, to try and get past Ocon. Ultimately, he didn't have the front speed, and I think it's probably because he had a bit too much downforce strapped on to do it. But just incredible those five or six laps were. That was second only to Alonso and Vettel, which we didn't see. <laughs> just terrible <laughs> well, TV direction yet again. Uh, yeah. At least something was semi-interestingly happening with uh, with Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez. There was an epic couple of starts uh, and some worthy mentions have to go to Daniel Ricciardo. Had, had an epic start. Yeah. Lance Stroll had a very good start up the inside. I only saw later on with an onboard yeah. well after the fact. And Seb Vettel had a great start too. As much as he was aquaplaning on the grass, off the grass, and then touched Alonso, the fact that he was able to keep that car for the majority of the time in a straight line we got to see Seb some real strategy, skill. right? Oh, that, 
you can't see in those things. They're looking for the wet. They're looking for the light on the back of the car. Yeah. To know if someone's up. Just imagine if someone had spun out on the side oh. and your full acceleration down the front straight. I mean, I get we're safety conscious, but like vision has always been a problem in the wet for Formula One. It's, you know, if there's rain on the track, who cares? Not that's not the biggest issue that it's wet. The biggest issue is vision. Mm. And mm. and with the ground effect cars, it's probably worse than what it has been. You on that start, you could not see a bloody thing and those guys to get through turn one without any incidents. That's you know, is it lucky or because I mean would it happen nine times out of ten you get an incident? I mean, we just got lucky, but geez, it's crazy to watch, isn't it? Max Verstappen going around the outside. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me he's not the best on the grid at the moment. Oh. Just like that. He had no, again, he has no business finding grip where he finds grip more often than not. Yeah. This is the guy who, you know, was left alone by his father at a petrol station. And he's learned to drive by himself ever since because his dad was pretty crap at racing. So. Well, I'll tell you what, when I, when I build uh, the campy farm, which is. <laughs> which is I'm sorry. Like, it's not far off. I'm building a go kart track out the front. Are you? And I'm going to have it like fully like sprinkled so lot. I'll be teaching my like, five-year-old son when he gets in the go-kart. I'll be How like, old is your son now? Oh, he doesn't exist yet. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when he does. His, his He'll name, be five for about seven years. <laughs> his name will be Tom and his last name will be Camp. So he's <laughs> More original content from your family. <laughs> but we're, we're going to have a sprinkle system on the track out in front too. So it's, ah. Hopefully he doesn't inherit anything from his father because his neck will go by halfway through lap one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I heard actually what you said about Shut up, uh, no. I heard what you said about going down to uh, Phillip Island. So that will be yes, MotoGP is going to be exciting yeah, there. But I, but I think uh, Tommy T was under something about a little Christmas party situation, getting down there to do a bit of go karting with the Lakeside Drive. I see you crew. guys enough throughout the year. I don't need to do that. Right. Well, if you <laughs> listener want to come and replace Campy, you'll be faster anyway. Uh, let us know if you're interested. Maybe we'll set up a little Lakeside Drive. December get together down at a go kart track down there. P two last time I was down there, so I was pretty stoked with that. Was there only was it only you driving, and you just had like there was a fault in the system no, that you managed like to get P two? Fifteen of us in the wet too. Oh, I don't Jesus. believe you. I absolutely do not believe you whatsoever. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about this. Um, I know you've got some opinions on this, uh, the Gasly oh, thing idiot. with tracks. I'm so glad that I have to keep throwing markers. The biggest, and he's French too, so. He's just an absolute dickhead. All right. So from what I understand, uh, before we go through all of this, yes, he was speeding under red flags, but not past that section. So the infringement, yes, I get it. I get it. But the, I'm just saying the infringement of where he got done was before that point. So, yes, he shouldn't have been going as fast as he was. I agree. But the penalty the FIA gave him was for speeding at a slightly earlier part in the track. Under double wave yellows. He's he he's not you know uh, innocent in all of this. The speed absolutely was a thing, but there absolutely should not have been a crane on track, regardless of what the situation was. Whoever's car it was, Carlos Sainz, I'm pretty sure it was Alex Albon's car. I can't can't quite remember. Yeah. Um, it should have just stayed where it was because a car on car impact, as we have seen, they're able to deal with that. But a car on crane impact, tractor, whatever, sorry, tractor rather than crane. No good. And Jules Bianchi is the thing that we talk about. Same yep. conditions, same track. You know, it's a, it's a similar situation. So I get it. And, yes, there is always human error, mm-hmm. which if the human error is taken out of this, you don't get it. But as drivers, 
they should know the rules by now. That if there's a double wave yellow, he went into the pit stop to get his car fixed because there was an incident that was on the yellow. The red flags came out while it was while he's joining on his outlap. And for him to be doing 250k anywhere on that straight in those conditions under red or yellow suggests to me that he's a fucking idiot. And he gets everything that he deserves. I would that is borderline missed the last five races of the of the year. Yes, people stuffed up, but human error is a thing. You have to punish that guy for his actions, and his actions were a detriment to his own self. So many markers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're not wrong, Campy. It, it got- He's not innocent, but he can't come out swinging saying it's all, you know, the FIA. You were doing. You're going way too fast. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh God. Look, it, it was I a agree whole- with Uncle Johnny Herbert in this one. How dare you? <laughs> Yes, the thing shouldn't have been on track, but those sort of speeds in the conditions were like dumb, absolutely stupid. And it could have cost him his life Yeah, if he had got it wrong. And who would we have been blaming? We would have been blaming him for doing stupid things. Yeah, uh, look, I think either way that you look at it, whatever side you're on, both of it is bad. The crane shouldn't have been there and uh, he shouldn't have been, sorry, the tractor shouldn't have been there and he shouldn't have been going anywhere near as fast as he should have, as he was. And he was so far behind anyway. Yeah, he was. It was, you know, it was, it was a whole lot of incidences that happened because he came out so, because he pitted, he was so far behind everyone, blah, 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 but he's an idiot. Yeah. Well, at least they're going to, there's an all French lineup uh, at Alpine next year and they, just in time for their home Grand Prix. Which has been deleted from the calendar. Oh, I could not care less. Going <laughs> Alpine, I could not care. Good on Alpine. Now, Alpine is a dumb organisation. They make dumb decisions all the time. Yes, their car is okay at the moment, but they should have taken Danny Rick and uh, just dumb. The confusion at the end of the race was uh, there from Sky F1. Really, I think most uh, most people watching feeds around the world have Sky F1, and for whatever reason. They kept going on about this not full points awarded in the Grand Prix, which was incorrect. The uh, the statement of the rules or this interpretation of inverted commas of the words, that's been the same rule since like 1992. So that hasn't changed at all recently. The only thing that's come into it has been the addition of the if the race doesn't resume under a red flag because races in the past would just be suspended indefinitely. <laughs> so there's still Grand, Grand Prix going still on from running. the 90s yeah, okay. <laughs> that are still technically running. Uh, but anyway, so I think the whole thing is a little bit ridiculous. My question is to the producers of Sky. So it was full points in the end. It was always going to be full points because right. the race didn't finish under a red flag. Right. So as so soon they, as they resumed, got, it's back to a normal race again, just like every other Grand Prix that we've had. Okay. Roman Grosjean's crash, good example. Massive delay, as absolutely fair enough, with red flags. Yeah. And then Lance Stroll oh, tipping so, upside down again. So it's if still that, finished. If the race hadn't have restarted because of Grosjean's red flag, that's when you go back to the lap. I've got you. So it just resumed. So we go, cool, we're going to start the race, finish it under a clock. Now, the other issue that I have with how that all round out, rounded out, I mean, we know how I feel about Sky F1 as it is, but the other issue that I have rounding it out is that all, literally all of the drivers were convinced that it was not the last lap when they crossed the finish line. All of them. They all kept going as hard as possible. I don't know if you saw like it was like the celebration of Max Verstappen won. The camera had to pan so quickly because he dived into one and kept going. Because he, plus every single other driver behind him, was convinced. And you listen back to the team radio. There's an F1 video saying listen to every driver reaction after crossing the finish line. All of them 
are like, is this the end of the race? Is this the end of the race? He's pushing behind me. I don't want to give up position. Is this it? Are you sure? Like asking four or five times. Ugh. Seb didn't have any communications with his team at all. And if you, you well, you couldn't see it, but what happened is Seb came on the outside to Alonso on the inside and just it was like 11 thousandths of a second or something, the gap between them when yeah. they crossed the line. Yep. Of course you're going to keep pushing as hard. Both of them were all the way down. So there was just so much confusion around finishing this race and it was the most underwhelming, worst bit of presenting I've ever seen. Karun Chan is like, well done to Johnny. No, not well done to Johnny. That was terrible. I don't understand, and I said this to a couple of people, I do not understand why this is an F1 thing. It's not even a Sky thing, right? So we've gone to an F1 branded microphone. Why on earth does F1 have presenters traveling around the track, sorry, around the circuits with them? You've got Laura Winter, Mega, Lawrence Barreto, getting better and better all the time. Even Will Buxton would have dramatically paused enough for everything to have sunk in to have an, an amazing announcement. They're relegated to Pit Lane Channel and F1 TV, and F1 is insists on having former drivers. Why do you have Takuma Sato there at the Japanese Grand Prix? Why have Johnny Herbert, who is... Useless at the best of times talking with Sky F1 people, let alone standing there and trying to do anything. He completely stuffed the whole thing up. It was, firstly, he shouldn't have been out there to begin with. If there was any likelihood that that penalty was going to come down range, F1 should have known about it and should have paused the interviews for another two minutes. Wouldn't have hurt them to have an actual celebration because as far as I'm concerned, Honda did not deserve to win a championship like that. Neither did Max Verstappen. He's been so dominant all year. And it's a afterthought, here you go. Oh, by the way, I'll oh, just come back over here, Max. I think we've got something to tell you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, honestly, we like, pay for this. Like it was lackluster from Uncle Johnny. Oh. I'm not his biggest fan. Um, yeah, I think the organisation could have been, well, don't interview them. If there's penalties after the race or it's going to be reviewed, well, the problem is it's not reviewed after the race. So they gave the penalty during the racing conditions. Just so happened to be on that last, you know, an incident happened on the final, you know, two turns. So just hold it up for five minutes. It's not – no one's going to lose their mind. Everyone will be standing around going, oh, what's happening? It's like, oh, I get it now. We're crowning a world champion. Like, they delayed it for everything else. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah. not like they're running to a schedule at this point. It's been delayed by so much. They could have just held off. It was. It, I feel for Max, the whole Red Bull team and everyone else because it was just an absolute disaster. Um, and as fans, and I spoke to a couple of you, messaged me on Instagram, and a lot of you went to bed after it finished and you woke up didn't and went, hang know. on, what? <laughs> I didn't even know that full points were awarded. Well, because, yeah, anyway, the, the graphics, to be fair to the graphics department in F1, Always said full points were going to be awarded. Yeah, okay. So it was so the commentators was just, doing their own narrative. Just crafty being an idiot. Un, unsurprising. Uh, now, there's a couple of things. The, the other thing, <laughs> sorry, that I want to mention is Max isn't convinced, right? He's up in, the, I don't know if you saw this, he's up in the cool room, cooling, cool down room uh, with the other drivers. And they're all like, Max, you, you're champion. He's like, are you sure? And they open this door to this other room. <laughs> and in this room is this red velvet chair with this beautiful rug on it and everything else with world champion on the back thing and this big screen and everything else. And so he has to awkwardly go and and he's like, are you sure? He awkwardly sits on this chair, crosses his legs for like on arms and smiles for one photo from the Red Bull guys and then stands up. He goes, it's pretty lonely in there actually and goes back into the other court. <laughs> My question is, how long has that chair been flown around and how many, how many points has that room been set up? Singapore, I imagine in Singapore that room was yeah. set up too. Yeah. There Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, 
I just that seemed so unnecessary to me because it was so underwhelming. It was like that seemed like an afterthought. And then they wheeled Jensen Button out to have a chat to him because suddenly I was championship. No, we're now we'll bugger off Johnny and we'll put uh, Jensen in. A little bit ridiculous. Uh, look, I know you guys spoke a little bit uh, about DR going on sabbatical, so we won't touch on it too much here. But um, there is devastating. There is uh, there is one shout out that I want to give about this, and it is to the only other. Australian, or the only other uh, F1 podcast that I occasionally listen to, which is Box of Neutrals. Oh, and Lamo, he's a star. Well, it's Rob James, the other half of oh, that. Superstar. Rob mentioned this about five or six months ago, I want to say now, where he said Daniel Ricciardo should take a sabbatical and just let everything else go away, get some momentum back in his life, and then see where the seats are for 24. Now, the other, the other point that I didn't really think about, but Nate Saunders from ESPN F1 mentioned this uh, in a post yesterday. Yeah, maybe DR's stocks aren't so high right now because of everything that's going on. But they will be. But you put him back into the media spotlight. You put him back into a bit of PR pizzazz. His worth goes through the roof next year because of all of the television spots that he'll do, all of the interviews that he'll do, all of that sort of other stuff to be able to get back into a better spot, right? So he comes back in with now a little bit more weight than he had previously because, like a lot of these teams, they want to find some followers for themselves too. And Drive to Survive, I think, has really taken away the I'm a Ferrari fan, I'm a McLaren fan, whatever, and made more of a I'm a Danny Rick fan or I'm a Pierre Gasly fan. Yeah. So I think it's it's a good it, – it's you know, he either goes to Williams or Haas. No. Or he no. just takes a complete sabbatical, not even reserve driver for Mercedes. He's just full sabbatical. Yeah. Just I'm doing my own thing. Going to hang out with the Channel 4 guys with, you know, Mark Weber and uh, Dave Coulthard. got cash, so. Doesn't cost him anything because he's cash getting off paid. me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's bloody yeah, robbery. Getting, getting to it. <laughs> but actually, to, to keep it a positive, mate, because I know, I know, dear listener, it's very difficult at the moment to this watch. It's a bit like Lazarus in the Bible. He'll die and come back to life. This is Danny Rick's. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what will happen. Danny Rick will be back and better than ever at some stage. Now, he is slightly richer. Um, only because of your purchase over the weekend. What happened, Thomas J. Camp? Oh, well, I saw the merch. I saw everyone was talking about the merch. I'm not a big merch guy. I just wear black t-shirts literally every day. So um, <laughs> we're all just we're all dressed the same though. Um, so I jumped on. I saw the mini helmet, and I'm a massive fan of mini helmets. So I was like, yeah, I'll get 180 bucks. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. So I like did the whole transaction, went through it. And next thing I look at my phone, 310 bucks came out. <laughs> I was like, oh, US dollars. You absolutely. Oh, geez, I was dirty. US dollars and shipping. The shipping is so expensive. Because it's shipping, been sent from the US. The shipping US. was all right. It was like 13 bucks. Oh, that's But I could have paid $110 US for like an expedited one. I was like, you may as well have at that point. Oh, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> uh, it's going to, like, and trust me, I've got some DR merch. It takes ages to get here. I did it from the joint bank account too. So oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come clean to the missus. We're out. I was like, oh, sorry, I spent 300 bucks on a helmet. <laughs> and I didn't mean to. Oh, she was which like, oh, that's okay. It's your money. I was like, good. It's our money. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Oh, that's very, very funny. Oh. Now, let's let's just wind this up before we uh, get to our Discord comment of the week. Um, I just want to get yes, your Pierre thoughts. Yes, Gasly is an idiot. Okay, no, no, but I just want your thoughts on this empty seat at Williams and this empty seat at Haas. Who do you think, because 
you know, Dio's out of the picture now. Nick DeVries is now into Alpha Tauri. You've got Mick Schumacher, Giovinazzi, and Hulkenberg being discussed about that seat yeah. in Haas. Yeah. There's only really, as far as I'm aware, there's only really Logan Sargent and no. uh, uh, Jack Doohan who have been publicly spoken about that seat. So yeah. I, I imagine yeah. Williams be pushing very hard to get Danny Rick at the moment because Jensen Button even said a couple of weeks ago, look, Danny should go to Williams because it's a team on the up. Well, he's also invested in it because <laughs> Jensen's doing work with Williams. Yeah, But I still imagine that because Danny didn't say I'm not going to be on the grid next year. I, it, it's yeah. seeming unlikely that, you know, I'm going to be on the grid next year. So, because I can't really see anyone else in the frame for that Williams seat. Well, Sargent won't have his super license points until Abu Dhabi, is that right? And that's only if he finishes sixth and above, yeah. from so, what I understand. Sargent, for me, is not a guy that particularly deserves – I mean, he had, a, he had a good year against Mick Schumacher, right? Mm-hmm. Came second in F2 that year that Mick won it. Um I just don't think Sergeant. He's been there for so long, and if you're not getting results in those junior categories, like the guys we've seen that's gone before him, like your Piastri's, your Norris, your George Russells, Carlos Sainz, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, these guys and Lewis Hamilton in that F2, unbelievable. Oh, like set that oh. Portuguese oh. Grand Prix. That is one <laughs> that's of exactly where I went. That is one of the greatest F2 races you will ever see. One hundred percent. And it's guys like that and all the guys, most of the guys on the grid at the moment have put in performances in F2 and F3 that people just go, wow, this guy's speed is incredible. Sergeant is not a guy that I think is in that category. Doing, I'm rooting for him. Yes, I want him on the grid. I can't. This year he's been doing well in F2, but he's a bit like everyone else in F2 at the moment where – they're all sort of so inconsistent and they get one or two, three, four really good results for the year. But that's, other than that, consistent week in, week out performance and mind-bogging, mind-bendingly fast speeds. They're not, no one on that grid in there for me deserves to be there yet. Doing great if you can get the drive. But I don't, I, I think he should have probably have another year in F2. Yeah. And come out and prove what he can actually do in order to deserve it. Um, he's only tested one F1 car, you know, like one test for Alpine. So there's no way he's going into a full-time seat after one test. Uh, that's just my opinion. I'm rooting for him, want him to be there, but he's no piastri. Let's, um, you know, uh, I need to be careful what I say here because I could divide some Aussie fans. I listened to a podcast with him the other week as well, uh, just this week on, on Gypsy Tales, which was a cracking podcast as well. So... Look, the kid's got it. I think he'll be in F1 at some stage because of his name and, you know, his his results have somewhat guaranteed him at least test driving. He does well in his test. He'll get on the grid. But there's no one for me that sticks my head up, which is why someone like Hulkenberg, if Hulkenberg comes back, that's better for Danny Rick, right? Hulkenberg comes back after three years out, performs really well. People go, oh, you can have a break and come back to this sport and get your head right, blah, blah, blah. Don't think Italian Jesus is worth being back in the sport. It's, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I don't know yeah. who opens it up. But for me, Hulk's the, the logical. Well, maybe then it's Hulk to, to Haas and Williams take Schumacher. Schumacher's a tough one. Well, it, by uh, all yeah. accounts, Haas don't want him. Yeah. Otherwise, so they the wouldn't have place, him already. The only place for him is Williams. So why does, why does Haas not want Schumacher? Is it a monetary thing? It's got it, to be something like that. You know, they're not coming out saying, well, we don't think he's good enough for Formula 1, so no. we're not having him in our team. 
Well, he's still in the frame, is what Gunther has been saying. So, you know, well, that's not a good look. He's been Schumacher has probably been the most open seat we've talked about from day one because Haas have been really clear about their intentions for next year, and that Mick Schumacher is not part of that. I think Ferrari probably would have been putting pressure on them to for Haas to take them as you know a Ferrari uh, customer team. But who knows? Mick's no longer part of the Ferrari Junior Academy. Yeah, he's not. So, so the pressure is gone. Giovinazzi is though. Watch this space. I Will, guess Williams. Williams. Well, would Williams roll the red carpet out for being a Mercedes team? Would someone like Toto step in and go, "Well, Schumacher finished his career with us. We love him." And will they roll the red carpet out for Mick and give him another couple of years? Well, it's yeah. probably the most likely. Maybe Stoffer Van Dorn could come back from Formula E too. You just don't know. Jeez, McLaren's ruined some big-name drivers, haven't they? I personally blame Zach Brown. Fernando Alonso. <laughs> and now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Thank you for your contribution, Zeke. Uh, it's a very short one. It comes from Steen N. Bloody Massey gifting Max another title. <laughs> <laughs> All the way from Bathurst. <laughs> Well, he's not here for it, uh, but the only note I've got is, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, well. I didn't. I liked the acapella anthem. Not, couldn't feel a beat, couldn't feel any chord. I wasn't of, watching it. Couldn't. You were watching Bathurst. I was still watching you? Bathurst, yeah. Yeah, I, I was waiting for the start. I watched it because I thought I've got to talk about it. So um, I was sort of flicking between the two. But, um, yeah, the anthem was good. Okay. Strange language. Couldn't. Couldn't pick up. It was acapella. No Couldn't understand it. any Japanese, <laughs> says someone who doesn't speak Japanese. I'm turning Sumi Japanese. Sumimasen, dear Japanese listener. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, the anthem for uh, Bathurst and the flyover, time on target, F35, absolutely spot didn't, on. D- didn't hear the flyover. No, I saw you saw it. it. Yeah. <laughs> you were otherwise engaged. I was, I, was, I was at church with me missus, you know, doing the right thing, and uh, – had Bathurst on my phone and she kept slapping me. And I was, what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm watching Bathurst. So I saw the fire. It looked ripper, but I couldn't actually hear it. it sounded know, it was, great too. It was like, <laughs> yeah, anyway. It's Campy's beard. Exactly the laugh you just did. Who is in your, has he been this week, oh, Campy? Alpine. <laughs> Okay, let's move to podcast penalties. Um, I'm giving you a 20-second penalty for having bigger pauses than Will Buxton. <laughs> Your when? When? dramatic pauses in the amount of editing that I had to do for the last episode with you and Tommy T. You're not normally like this, but you uh, nah. had so many Dude, dramatic was, pauses. Oh, I know. The internet was terrible. I know. Like, the I, amount- could see, I could see Tommy's lips move, and then five seconds later I'd – Here's the, sound. here's the hot tip. There was no video for that because it was so corrupted Bad, yeah. on his end. Yeah. I don't know where he was, but it wasn't anywhere good. Crazy You're welcome yours. that I did it because it was an absolute nightmare. Thank you. I can only imagine that he was probably in a warehouse or well, in, I, in a coffee roastery. Is that home? Or, is, is that home? Yeah, what? Bit. It doesn't make any sense to me because normally, how can you have a double TV set up with F1 on top and He's probably streaming the both of them? Ah, uh, there you go. You That's know, probably why. Yeah. It was. It was no good. Well, okay. I'm not. I'll take the penalty back. Yeah, right. But it was very Will Buxton because you would go into something and I I laughed whilst I was crying while editing it. You're like, I just don't think. 
He oh. should do it. <laughs> oh. like, that's a lot of thought process for those two words at the end. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, look, before we get into our team-by-team analysis, um, this is where I can tell you all that this part of the podcast is brought to you by our Patreon channel, by our patrons. As Campy said at the very top of the episode, uh, we've got some absolute legends who are supporting it, and these are our out-of-the-bin Patrons, Mark K, John B, Ross M, Melinda H, Clint J, Josh P, Kate L and Steen N. Uh, as you said earlier, Campy, these legends are supporting us with their hard-earned dollary dues. And Big contributors right there on the Discord too. And massive contributors to the Discord. So a massive thank you to you. The one thing I would say is if you are enjoying this content and loving the show, uh, and we will do three episodes a week when Campy does record uh, and, you know, it actually commits to it. <laughs> Thanks for showing up, mate. You're welcome. Uh, it it means it honestly means well because we get to do this a little bit uh, a little bit easier. We're in a studio, as you can see now. This is the backwards facing of the studio because we didn't have the camera set up this side. So that's the pretty side where you're sitting. You're welcome. Uh, this side is where you get to look at Zeke, who has been absolutely invested in this entire episode as the middle of the camera. No, you have. It's a. I'm. I'm Giving you positive reinforcement. You've been Sorry, actually engaged. First, that's all. Okay, good. She's <laughs> getting slammed. Uh, but look, a massive thank you to you. There is three levels to support us. There is a supporter level out of the bin, which is the names that I've just mentioned, and the top tier, a top. consummate professional. Consummate. Consummating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't ever keep a uh, any of our content behind uh, a paywall, but uh, if you'd like to support us going into our fifth season of producing content into next season, then please jump onto our Patreon program. You can do that right now by finding the link in the description below in this podcast episode. All right, let's get into our team-by-team analysis, Thomas J. Camp, Ezekiel Fenn. We're going to start at the very back, which is Alfa Romeo, Joan Yu in 16th, and Valtteri Bottas in 15th. This is the lowest scoring team out of everyone, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, look, Bottas pitted pitted with about 12 minutes to go because I think someone came out and I can't remember who it was after they pit. And their new tyres were five seconds quicker than everybody else. So they thought they would make that up. And Bottas, unfortunately, had some good track position. He was behind Lando and in front of Danny Rick, but he pitted because they thought they'd make it up on the back end, but it just didn't work out that way. So that's why he was a bit further down. Um, Quan Joe, I didn't, I'm trying to think about his race. I can't remember seeing him or hearing from him. He came last. So there you go. It wasn't a lot. It uh, didn't come last, but he there wasn't a lot on radio yeah, communications. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, we're going to go slightly further ahead to Haas. Mick Schumacher finishing in 17th. Kevin Magnussen finishing in 14th. Mick was leading from Max Verstappen at one point. <laughs> the whole Haas cared about was like, I get to take a photo of the fact that MSC is above Verstappen, and that's all we are here for. They were banking on leaving him out on the wets. They were banking on some more rain or a safety car or something, yep. another red flag to see what would happen. Uh, didn't quite work, but what was interesting was to see the delta difference in tyres between the intermediate oh, and the massive, full wet. Massive, massive amounts of difference. Top speed, really. The top speed, that extra rubber, the bigger knobs on the tyres make it worse. Yeah. So much for our American friends there. Extra rubber, big knobs. Mm. Uh, Alpha Tauri, Gasly did come in last, 18th. <laughs> Sonoda home race. First time he's been around here for quite some time, yeah, by all accounts. Yeah. Uh, came in 13th. 
uh, Alpha Tauri is now getting slammed by Pierre Gasly. Now that he's going, he's not coming. Not he's not holding back at all. Yeah. He is just unleashing, which I appreciate. No, he should keep his mouth shut. He should be a gentleman and just <laughs> stay on the straight and narrow. He can do absolutely just, no, no right, no, can he? No, not with you. I mean, if Danny Rick was to get sour, we'd be going, come on, Danny. Danny's not that kind of guy, is he? He's not going to come out and rubbish McLaren while he's still there, but that's what kind of guy Pierre Gasly is. So just shut your mouth, finish out. the. Think about what this team and this organisation has done for your career. Do not spit back in their face and carry on like the child that you are. But you will because, you know, he's a French and blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I cannot stand him. Everything about that guy. Someone said, oh, I met one of Gasly's mates. I was like, As if that guy has mates. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway. Oh, dear. Uh, well, McLaren scored a point with Lando Norris. Danny Rick in 11th. His pace was so good through qualifying. I agree with you that he was probably told. Oh, I totally told. You're, you're safe. Good. Don't worry about it. I thought he was safe. He did. Well, he did too. He did stonking lap. He out-qualified Lando in the first can, can part I, of that. Can I just say, at this stage of Danny Rick's year and where he's at, why would you not take the punt before the start, coming into the pits and getting on the uh, getting on the inters? We were talking about it before the safety car had even come in. The commentators were talking about why not take the punt after the start that you had in eighth place. You wouldn't have lost the fifteen seconds to Max just Max just on the Constantina effect because of being wet. You would have had fresh air and you would have come out in front. Now, I don't think you would have beaten Max Verstappen, but you definitely would have got second. And it's that, to me, is just oh, it's just a frustrating thing. And, of course, he came out behind Norris. Of course Norris beat him before. <laughs> well, oh, well, what does he, the guy have to do? He starts, he gets a cracking nah, start. Gets can't up, do it. It's all a conspiracy. And they told him to don't attack Lando. You know, when he came out behind him, he's like, oh, just manage the pace, manage the tyres, get to the end of the half an hour stint. And he was getting some pressure from Stroll behind him. And he closed that four-second gap to like a second and a half in a lap. So he clearly had pace. It was like, no, just cheap stations here. Oh, just frustrating to watch. Just yep. take a punt, Danny Rick. Take a punt. The problem is the team have to come out to give him the tyres in the first place. He can come into pit lane, but they might not come out to help him. One of the things that I would say about that intercool is Lance Stroll, who also did that too, ended up in twelfth. Yeah. yeah. So only one position behind. Yeah. So I think for honestly for that whole thing, he wouldn't have lost much because it's a faster car, and would have got further up the grid. Yeah, totally. Uh, Williams, they're at this point. Alex Albon had a DNF, but Gotifi got some points. Nice. Stoked for Gotifi. I did stop the count. He's a wet weather special. Sorry, start the count for his Formula One career and then immediately stop the count because it's the only time he's really done uh, any good. I think it's good for him. Well, he's on the way out now, so uh, oh, I think it's really good for him. He, uh, me and Tommy spoke about, uh, me and Zeke spoke about it last week. What's a year look like for this guy? Just enjoy it, suck up every little moment, no pressure, go out and perform, get some points, and have some good memories of F1. And, Hey, great, great for him. Albon, well, he had a, he had a mechanical on yeah, that one, didn't he? Yeah, a mechanical. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is a shame for him because he didn't have a great sh- showing in Singapore. I think he probably needed just to 
have the ability to get there. Yeah, but if, if Latifi wrong. was ninth, album who uh, who knows who could, what who could have knows. happened? It could have been interesting. This is probably my favorite result for the whole weekend. Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel in sixth. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, absolute star from being last yeah. on yeah. turn one, lap one, to finishing sixth on the grid. Oh. Lance Stroll finishing in twelfth, showing again how much better he is as a driver. Than Every Lance now Stroll. and then, you we have these races where conditions or the something happens, which means anyone on the track could win or get a podium. Last night, Max was in a – he was so better, so much better than everybody else. But this was one of those nights anyone could have got second, really, realistically, if they got the strategy right. They all had the opportunity to do it. No one took it up to do it. Aston Martin, they made the call. They have to make those calls, and they traditionally have when they're racing point. Um, and when Stroll went there for the first couple of years as, uh, what was it called, Force India or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, traditionally, they've been the team that have made those alternate strategies and those big goals work. And uh, good on Seb. It was good to see him in the top six. No one, want, no one wanted to see him at the back of the grid. No. Not at Suzuka. Not at his last outing there. So uh, great for Seb. Great result. Stroll's just, that guy's just. <laughs> <sighs> well, as I said, he had a good start, but then the rest of the race just meh. It's just all he is. Hey, he, and he's one of those drivers on, that on the grid that shouldn't be there. When yeah. Lewis Hamilton talks that Danny Rick's proved himself, he means that there's other people on the grid that shouldn't be there and Stroll's one of them. Mm-hmm. Talk about Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton finished in fifth. George <sighs> Russell was not a happy boy and finished in eighth. Yeah. That's a tyre choice. Um, Fernando Alonso pitted and managed to get him. That's a, That was the pace deficit between the Mercedes and the uh, the Alpine we saw further up the grid with Hamilton and, and yeah. Ocon. Um, that Mercedes, as you say, was carrying a little bit more down for so faster through the corners, but in a straight line, that Alpine looked good. Yeah. They got a good car. They genuinely have a good car underneath them. And they're back and forth in the constructors now, aren't they? So only just. Only just. But in terms of well in terms of the performance for last the previous weekend with Fourth and fifth with well, that's what I mean, yeah. McLaren, that's once in a blue blue moon for McLaren when it comes to a double performance. Yeah. This is more akin to what Alpine are used to. Uh, Fernando mate, Alonso uh, finishing in seventh and Nesman Ocon finishing in fourth. I'd probably said it before, but imagine if Danny Rick was in that car. Oh God, he would be he'd be five tenths better than than Ocon. That'd put him almost on the front row. Thing is, though, and I th- I think about this a bit. You don't really say no to McLaren when they were no, showing you that much, you, you know, pace. And I mean, they'd won a championship more recently than Renault. So I think from a from a point of view of the decision that he made, he was based on the information that he had at the time. He, yeah. uh, Alpine are yeah now they're thirteen points ahead of McLaren in the championship. Yeah. So which is kind of I think that's where they'll finish out anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, George Russell just was didn't seem comfortable at all no. at all weekend and. He's getting a little bit more. Mm, the team really needs to pick their game up a little bit in the press conferences. Have you noticed that he's sort of now he's yep. gone from praising Mercedes as a Williams driver and doing all that sort of other stuff in the yep. first couple of races, and now he's starting to stand his ground? I don't mind that, to be honest. Yeah, he's up against Lewis Hamilton, right? And that team doesn't matter who you are in that team. That team is geared towards Lewis Hamilton and will be until he retires. He's going to play second fiddle. Yes, you'll have one or two people in the team that are going for it. But, yeah, I, I don't mind it. But then again, I think he's saying those things when he's particularly in this, like, second half of the season. He's been consistent all year. But his best is not good enough to beat Lewis when Lewis is on and the car's working. 
we saw those five or six races where Mercedes were on the podium every race and they should have won Zandvoort with Lewis there. I mean, I think that showed the difference between a top-caliber driver like, like your Lewis Hamilton and the difference between him and George. George can't pull out those extra five tenths and I think he's starting – he may be starting to be aware of that and he's starting to, you know, shit can the team for it. Yeah. Ferrari. What are some Ferraris? <laughs> <laughs> my favourite part of the episode for, from last week. Ezekiel well, Finn, ladies and gentlemen. We have the Ferrari Enzo. Yeah. Stop the count. Full stop. What yeah. a great car. It is a V12. What a bloody good car. That's good to know. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I love the 458 Italia. It's just – damn. Damn. It'd be uh, – I would love – I'd sort of visualising you, Monaco, you know, like VIP event, Ferrari. <laughs> they're not going to let you anywhere near the cars, but uh, – give, give me a break. You'd fit right in. Oh, please. You'd go to the dinner I don't with the – loafers, uh, <laughs> slip-on shoes and white jeans. <laughs> well, you're wearing yours now. I don't know why you're saying and a that. Silk, and a silk shirt. No. I've I, never seen more loafer-like boots in my I, life. Just, I just – wouldn't ever fit in in a place like that. No, I'd never say never. Yeah. It'd be worth a shot. It, maybe we could do like some kind of like makeover thing and send oh. you into the paddock with like a pretend film crew. Absolutely. Yes. You would yeah. be good on Queer Eye. I'll Add to the list. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> That was the best. <laughs> that was so good. Do I have another one today? Oh, yeah. Show some bloody respect. Thank you, Lemonado. He should. Uh, Ferrari, Enzo, yes. Mm. Sainz not deserving an Enzo because he's just not having a good time. Now, Campy, Carlos Sainz came out after qualifying and said he's very annoyed that he's always just behind yeah. Max, is just behind Charles. What does he need to do, apart from the simple fact of be just be faster, what does he need to do mentally, do you think, to get over this? Because it's like genuinely seems like he is in a bit of a rut at Ferrari now. Just reset. Just mm. reset. Um, finish off the year. Like you've got the contract for next year. You've got the next couple of years. Just reset. Get yourself in a place where he's thinking clearly, knows what he can do, knows what he's capable of. I think he's probably got to work the team a lot better than what he has. Uh, previously, I mean, the relationships within the team, especially on his side of the garage, you need to solidify them, maybe steal a couple of the top top guys from uh, Charles and do some trades somewhere, but he really needs to get the garage behind him more yeah. than what they are because Ferrari is one of those places that you just get the feeling that if you're not the number one driver, you're number two, and if you're number two, you don't get anything, you know. So, And I guarantee it's probably – getting to him off track. I remember Mark Webber talking about his battles with Seb Vittle. Yeah. It's like yep. who gets first in the helicopter to the track or the pro, you know, who gets on first or who gets this. And that became everything and their infighting within the team was everything. I think I think I think it's gonna be like that with signs. But he has to play those games in order to get in front of Leclerc. Leclerc's a dude that's very competent, but he has these weekends where he's nowhere and and science needs to get him in those pla- get him psychologically into those places where he can't perform week in, week out like he has, because they're too lovey dovey and hunky dory. Bring back some MJ mouthing off, not bloody LeBron. <laughs> you can't help yourself. LeBron's Tommy's friends with everyone. MJ had no friends. Yeah. And so you, you know? are that's why you like MJ and that's why Tommy T likes LeBron. Yeah. Same person. 
Oh, please. <laughs> old, old school is better. Um, shout out to you, Mark K. Uh, there is an empty seat here. At one point, we would love for you to join us in yeah, the studio uh, to talk about Formula One feet basketball, I guess. Who knows? Red Bull. Max Verstappen, of course, finishing first. Um, Sergio Perez finishing second. Second. Uh, it was interesting because Bernardo came out saying that Charlotte Leclerc didn't have an opportunity to go to the stewards to fight the penalty afterwards. But he outbraked himself and missed the whole freaking corner. Thank you. And gained an advantage. That's he got, look, it doesn't matter if he goes and pleads his case. That's why. He shit the bed. He gets penalised. That's why. I'm, I oh, agree. Bonotto, shut up. <laughs> oh. Uh, so he quite enjoyed that. That was an interesting point. But uh, anyway, Matt, look, Sergio Perez came out pretty much immediately and said, oh, looking forward to fighting for a world championship next year. You're not going to get one, mate. Sorry. Not when Max is in the car next to you. Nope. Max Verstappen, second championship now. Um, some people are like, oh, well done on your first championship. Okay, good. Let it go. It's happened. Move on from Abu Dhabi, please, God. Uh, do you yeah. think we're going to see a bit of a run here, like I said, because – the reason why I ask, like I said, Vettel, the reason why I ask is because Hamilton, this Mercedes thing, the new turbo hybrid era with the Daimler trucks thing that they had and everything else yeah. that you've spoken about in the, in the history of the podcast to now has meant that they were always like this team that was ahead. Let's not forget early days when the new regulations happened, Valtteri Bottas and Felipe Massa and Williams were getting great results, podiums because yeah. of the power yeah. unit. Yeah. So now that that's sort of no longer really a big thing, we're on the run to 2026. So we've got three, four, five before the new regulations come in. So yeah. potentially another three championships on the trot. Yeah. It would be said though that, Ferrari have lost the plot a little bit, oh, well, a lot, when it comes to trying to make a world championship car. They will be wanting to sort it out this year going into next year, and Mercedes are on the hunt. Do you think Red Bull is in a position like it was with Seb Vettel where they're just going to always be that extra step ahead of the rest of the teams no matter what happens because of Adrian Newey? Yeah, the car, the Adrian Newey cars are just that much better than everything else on track. The reason they were so uncompetitive in that turbo, the first iteration of the turbo hybrid era, is because the engine was a, a dog, you know, and that was what held them back. But they still competed. How many brace wins did they get throughout that era? They got three in 2014, they got none in 15, 16, uh, Max and Danny both won races, 17, Max and Danny both won races, 18, they did. And then nine, yeah. So I mean, they were still were fighting above their weight with a with a with an engine with a poor engine. Now they've figured out the engine, and with that, you know, with the ten years of whatever since twenty fourteen, however eight years we've had of engines and increasing, the gap slowly gets bigger in all those things. And no one can design a car like Newey, so I can't see them not going on and winning. And that's the way sport. That's the way our sport is happening. Since you go back to 2010, it is dynasties. It's four on the trot for Red Bull, and eight or whatever it was it seven for eight for Mercedes. Eight for Mercedes, and then we've had two from Red Bull, and it's not. It's probably going to be five. You know, going into 2026, uh, it's the way it trends. Once you get something right, you will eventually get knocked off your pedestal, but. It seems to me that the gap is just so far at the top between Red Bull and everyone else that it's insurpassable. Would you say that's motorsport? Fantasy.
the second last one is the best one. You're right. (laughs) A massive thank you to the 158 people who are part of our fantasy league naming competition. It's about who gets the best name at the end of this this season. We're going to go back through all of the races, which is a lot, and find our favorite. We'll do a little uh, competition and then we will announce a winner who will receive some merchandise. Uh, Hopefully we can get a Campy's Bin t-shirt designed because that's been asked for, or Campy's bin hoodie's been asked for by our friends in the other hemisphere going into winter. Uh, getting to that point. Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> With me. Uh, I'm down. Hang on. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go, Campy. Here are my uh, the picks for this week. Holden, my broken heart, Gemma C. Yeah. 130 Rain, Alex B. Good. I'm glad I went to bed, LBS. <laughs> Danny Rick to win again, Josh L., Yuki Suzuka, Daniel T. Jess Cuter says F. McLaren. <laughs> Excellent, Jess. Excellent. You were right, Massey. Dennis O. Spare a thought for those poor, tired Brits. Nathan D. Yeah, we got a lot of that, didn't we, this weekend? Oh, it's on at a really rough time. It's on a really rough time. Yeah, this is literally what we deal with every other race except for this one. Yep. And, in fact, this is on at a better time, I think, than oh, no, only just by the, the actual Australian Grand Prix. Um, to the max, Haley H., Crofty's Balloon Festival, Samuel R. <laughs> Suzuka, the race that clashed with Bathurst. Kelly W. Ferrari is now synonymous with sadness. Nicholas H. <laughs> and Domo Arigato, Mr. Ricardo, Steen N. Uh, yeah. Now, Daniela R. from Portugal, you came first in this race. And good Lord, this is probably the biggest points hole I think I've seen. Um, your team name is Jeez. Ferrari being Ferrari, cries in Italian. You had 323 points. You mega drive Max. Yep. You turbo drive at Checo. Checo. How's Stroll- How could you even turbo drive Checo? Because he's not as good as Max. It's, that's how you know how <laughs> if one feels about you, if you can be turboed or not. Nice. Um, Stroll, Albon, Sonoda, and then Red Bull is the team. That was an absolutely massive points haul. Uh, wow. Second, Checo yourself before you wreck yourself. Tully C from Australia, 278 points, which is still very good. Uh, still more than the equal firsts from last week. And third, the cost of winning getting higher. John B., one of our patrons from the USA with 261 points, a massive thank you 323. Ridiculous, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah. Imagine us actually caring about that. Because that, if I, I looked at that and went, how do I get my team like that? And then remembered swiftly that yeah. <laughs> I'm so far not in a, in a place to try and win this at all. Well, that's it for this week. A massive thank you to you for watching and listening. Please, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, uh, please leave us a review. You can do that on Spotify in the mobile app. You just open up on the homepage and tap some stars to rate. Uh, In uh, Apple Podcasts, you can either leave a rating or you can leave a full word review, of course. Uh, And if you want to help the podcast, but you're not necessarily wanting to part with any money, absolutely fair enough. The best thing you can do for free for us is subscribe to our YouTube channel. That makes a huge difference. We're only about 130 off odd now from uh, reaching 1,000 subscribers. And that helps us get to the next level in the algorithm by producing this video content. Of course, we'll try to do a lot more smaller videos as well as we're moving on through this as well. Now, Campy, yes, we, we're going to do a preview podcast next week. I'm not going to physically be here for it, but I will remotely, hopefully, be here. But we're going to go to Texas, which I'm very excited about for, for all of us, but it's, a, it's a, a place that's very special to your heart and very close to your lips. Yeah, it is. I love the joint. <laughs> Yeah. It's only a select people know what I'm referring to. Do do the big reveal? I think we should do the big reveal maybe on the review podcast for, for Texas, for Austin. Really? 
Maybe that's a, in fact maybe that is just a Patreon no, thing. You know what? You've ragged on me a lot. You've made this joke about all oh, Max was having tattoo on your lip for like five years. I'm just gonna announce it now. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 no. It's not no. that exciting. It's not it that is. exciting. It is, it is very now. the story it is, about yeah. it. It's, that build up. The is story is incredible. Anyway, that's I all to come. I do love Texas is the coolest place I've ever oh, it's rad. New Orleans is rad too, but Texas, Austin, Texas. Dallas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to that. Don't forget, oh. this week, Freya's F1 Fridays will be on uh, Friday, funnily enough, and uh, Campy's Corner will happen on Sunday. Gents, a massive thank you to you, Ezekiel Fenn, a Ferrari hey. guest host of Knowledge. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and producer Campy, massive thank you to you. Thank you to you. We'll see you very soon for another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. Zion. Interesting concept. They love Zion. Interesting concept. Sounds like Frankston to me. (laughs) (laughs) Zion is Frankston. Who would have thought? Zenday is Michi. Do you have Lakeside? We have Lakeside Drive merch, right? I can say we now. Yeah. 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 Allegedly, we have mugs. Never got one. Yeah, I've got a mug. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a stubby holder? I think Tommy T bought it all. Yeah. And he just gave me some. I'm going to hit him up. I ain't buying merch. No, we not bankrolling Oz F1 merch, didn't we? Yeah, maybe it was Oz F1, not yeah, like OG, uh, OG merch. <laughs> no, right. one, no one likes us. We're a shit podcast. <laughs>